When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Uh, a bit of a damp a few days, but we've now had six rounds of the county championship in mid-May. And so uh, lots of the potential England players for the first test on the 2nd of June have had uh, plenty of opportunity. Of course, it's uh, going to be an interesting choice of players for that first test with so many people unavailable and one or two injuries knocking around as well. So on this show, we're going to uh, have a bit of conjecture about who England might pick and the sorts of runners and riders in that England squad to be announced uh, over the next couple of days. We're recording this on Monday morning. Uh, also, we'll look at Joffre Archer and uh, the story about his uh, continued problems with that elbow injury. And uh, later on, we're going to hear from Alan Lamb, a little clip from our virtual cricket club last week, talking about life on the road with Beefy and the rest. Uh, I'm actually going to spend this week uh, up north doing uh, more interviews for our World Cup documentary, this time with Ben Stokes and also Joe Root. Uh, So I'll be in the sort of Durham area, which will be quite a nice uh, experience, back at where I both went to university and also uh, played cricket for a couple of years. I just love Durham as an environment generally. Uh, Simon, you've been a bit uh, deprived, I suppose, over the last few few days, weeks, because, because of no IPL commentary. Yeah, I was down to do a lot of uh, IPL work, uh, especially in May. So I, I'm really looking forward to the, the first test coming up at the start of June. And, the, and of course, the squad is going to be announced on, on Tuesday afternoon. So we're going to look at that. It doesn't feel very uh, much like cricket weather at the moment. Or perhaps it does. Perhaps this is cricket weather in the UK. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been grim, hasn't it, for the, for the last uh, few days or so. And the, the forecast this week is, is not particularly good. Having said that, I am looking forward to Gloucestershire against Somerset on Thursday. Spectators allowed back uh, for that match at the the Bristol County ground and it's a a top two clash in uh, the second league, the Division 2, if you like, or Group 2 of the County Championship. I see Essex have reasserted themselves in that type Tight Group One with a with a victory, so you know they were well, in a slightly dodgy position, but there's, there's time for them to catch up, and they've caught up there, top of the table with Durham, and uh, well done to Scott Borthwick's team. We we had Scott on uh, right at the start of the season. He was so excited about the the possibility of Durham uh, competing in the county championship, you know, with the chance to win it, and they are in the the top two as things stand. And then it's the old firm in in Group Three, Yorkshire and and Lancashire, uh, the, the top two. They're Joe Root in the runs against Glamorgan out for nine. 99. I don't know if you saw it, Yoz. He was looking to, I think, just looking to run it away for a single down towards third man, a sort of typical root shot. I don't know whether it just came in a fraction and he got an inside edge onto his stumps out for 99. But some form for Joe Root with the selectors. I say the selectors 
I mean, it's the coach, isn't it, now, who's going to mm. sort of re- responsibility for the team and, and, and team selection. Ed Smith having been uh, dismissed or removed from his job or whatever, or, you know, parted company or <laughs> a different mm. selection formula for the future, whatever, you know, underscore or cross out, whichever one of those you want to, you want to do <laughs> so. Uh, so what, what are we looking at? Uh, it seems to me the big problem that England have got is the fact that all their all-rounders who, who balance the side are not going to be available. I'm thinking Ben Stokes, who you're going to see this week, Chris Wokes, Sam Curran, and if you want a spinning all-rounder, Moen Ali. So th- they've used those all-rounders to balance the side in, in recent years, but none of them will be available. So are they looking at six batsmen, a wicketkeeper, and four bowlers? And if they're looking at only four bowlers, are they looking at just four pace bowlers and no spinner? For the first test at Lords, I, I mean, it's it's certainly possible, especially the way actually Lords has played so far this year. See, Middlesex done again inside three days uh, by yeah, Hampshire, yeah. as they were done by Gloucestershire last weekend. The ball sort of nips around at Lords. Um, Lords used to mm. just, just on Lords. We've talked about selection a moment. Yours. Lords used to be to start the twenty first century. Your Lords were so flat for Test cricket. I mean, you could get some big scores there. You really did book in. But it seems to me in, in in recent years, I know they've had a change of groundsman. In recent years, the ball has, has nipped, and it's, it's you know it, it, there's something there for the pace bowlers. What, 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 what's, yeah, you're, that, what, you're, what's all that about? Well, that, that's a really good uh, point. And funnily enough, I went out to the middle at Lords last week uh, before their match with Hampshire to have a look at the pitch. And in fact, I chatted to uh, Kyle, the, the the groundsman as well, the Irish groundsman, and. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't think anybody can really answer that question. I've talked to a few of the ground staff, you know, why is it you know nipping around here so much? And they sort of say, well, it's the slope that helps any kind of slight lateral movement. They've always uh, had a slope, kind of, <clears throat> It's always had a slope, but I think with a bit of grass on the wicket as well, on the pitch, uh, I think that just assists movement and uh, there's a lot of sort of hearsay about the fact that the drainage at Lords is so good that they have to flood it all the time on the outfield otherwise the outfield dries out too quickly and Mm. if you flood the outfield then obviously that moisture gets under the square and under the surface of the pitch and helps the pitch move around Um, it's it's a difficult one to answer I mean the square looks incredibly lush you know beautiful uh, covering of grass uh, the pitch for the Hampshire match, I saw it on, I think, Tuesday, a couple of days before the game. It was the colour of a billiard table, you know, and they were obviously going to cut it down. But yeah. there's a lot of live grass there at the moment. And um, I guess that may be the reason. A lot of uh, skillful operators, uh, you know, the people like Kyle, like um, Kyle Abbott and Mohammed Abbas and obviously Tim Murta who are all extremely good at, at using the seam, the proud seam of the Duke's ball. I think it's a combination of a slightly overcast weather, which which obviously helps the bowlers, a mm. bit of extra grass on the pitch, the slope as well, uh, maybe poor technique of batsmen. Lights on uh, as well. Lights on. I, I think, you know, it's a combination of factors, but there's no doubt the Middlesex batting order is very low on confidence and not that high on ability mm. at the moment. Okay, let's have a look at uh, the selection options um, for those picking the England squad. So, I mean, they are missing a few. I I mentioned that the all-rounders that are missing, no Butler or Bairstow as well, and and no Joffre Archer because he's injured. Dom Sibley's not been playing for Warwickshire for a month because of a a broken finger. I think the feeling is he is going to come back against Essex uh, this week. So whether they'll they'll pick him 
you know, and then include him if he's fit or, you know, subject to form and fitness. We'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, there, there is one uh, obvious option uh, to, to play at the top of the order, and that's James Bracey, who's had a good start to the season with Gloucestershire, was in the in the biosecure bubble uh, last winter. And, they, uh, you know, they do like him, and he's come out with 478 runs at 53 uh, so far this season. So that, yeah, there's, there's the option at the top of the order, but that, does that mean are they look? But are they looking at Bracy and Sibley, or are they looking at Bracy and Burns and say to Sibley, you have to prove your fitness and your form? I mean, is, is Burns' place under threat? He, he didn't play, of course, in the in the last Test match uh, that England played. So th- those, uh, I suspect, what will happen is that they'll pick all of them. They'll pick Burns, they'll pick Bracy, and they'll pick Sibley. And, of course, they'll, they'll pick Zach Crawley as well and then uh, make a, a decision further down the line. Uh, is that how you would see it? Mm. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, we'll have to see whether Sibley, you know, regains a bit of confidence and so on after his, uh, his injury. So I, I guess, you know, first choice would probably be Sibley, Burns and Crawley at three. Mm. But if, say, Sibley doesn't look convincing or is struggling a bit... Then they play Crawley as opener and uh, Bracey at three. I would have thought that would be the the most likely prospect. It's uh, it's good even to see though that, that Bracey that... opens for even though Bracey has been opening for Gloucestershire and oh, Crawley's, Crawley's yeah. been batting at three for Kent. I mean, well, Bracey's yeah, also, I'm, that, Bracey's that's, also that's batted at three for Gloucester. He, he's opened and he's batted at three for Gloucestershire. So yeah, yeah the last innings I saw him play was batting at three. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he's you know, I, mean, I, I guess I guess he'll, he'll bat at three. Yeah. Um, Crawley, uh, it's good to see he's back in. In the runs, I, I watched a, a little bit of a duel between him and Ollie Robinson down at Hove the other day, and it was just uh, sometimes you look at county cricket and it looks a little bit more abundant and you know a little bit moderate, but at times, but that was was high class, a really top notch batsman standing up to a, a fiery and very accurate pace bowler. I really like Robinson. And if you look at his record, I mean, he's got, I think he's got nearly 300 wickets at 21 in county cricket. I mean, that's a really impressive record. And what I like about him is he's got, we were talking on this show before about some bowlers who don't have that, that sort of mean um, approach and, and mean attitude. You know, they run up and bowl. In a way, someone like Mark Wood is, is quite a sort of uh, fun-loving kind of character. He's not someone that you, you think when you face him... He's not going to give me anything to hit. Mark Wood is the sort of bowler who will bowl you an absolute jaffer and obviously very, very fast, but will give you sort of balls to hit. But someone like Robinson, you feel he's just at you all the time, rumbling in down that hill at Hove, just keeping that ball around about the off stump, just slightly back of a length with a, a, a nasty bouncer up his sleeve and a little bit of out movement hits the seam hard, bowls, you know, what everybody calls a heavy ball. It mm. jams into the top of the splice and bruises that uh, that sort of join between your thumb and forefinger, which which grips the bat. And uh, he, he just doesn't let the batsman get away. And I really like that, that attitude. Um, in fact, he reminded me watching him uh, a little bit of Pat Cummins, the way he bowls, possibly around the same speed mm. and, and the same sort of intent and desire and uh, sort of almost re- re- relentlessness, which uh, really st- sort of speaks well for for his future. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure he's quite as quick as Cummins. Not not what I've seen. Um, he's a, he's a bit down on that. But he, he you're right. He does have that sort of 
at the batsman. Strong, strong action. He's picked up 29 wickets already, and you mentioned his, his record. I, I think he's the word is that you know Robinson is going to be in there, and there's every chance that he's going to make his Test match debut at Lords against New Zealand. I mean, not least because they are down on bowlers. And you, you, what what are the other options? Well, the other options are, of course, <laughs> the old firm of Anderson and Broad. So, if Eng- so England's four. So they do play four, and they don't play a spinner at Lords. The four: Anderson, Broad, Robinson, and then you've got Overton, Stone, Ollie Stone. I mean, he's not um, played since early May. Uh, and, and Mark Wood, so that you know they do have those options. Overton's the leading wicket taker in the country with with thirty two. He can bat a bit as well. The tail looks a bit uh, long, it has to be said. If you, if you Anderson, Broad, Robinson, and and say Wood, I um, mean they do have one or two problems. England uh, for this New Zealand uh, Test series. So yeah, it looks it looks good for for Robinson and it is an opportunity to to have a look at him and you you think he might well be ahead of someone like uh, Overton Stone hasn't played uh, perhaps as much as they would have liked although of course he did play that test match you know and played well in the winter in India and and then there's Mark Wood so pick pick four out of those seven mm. well was. yeah it's good it's Six. a good option isn't it it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 they've got lots of lots of options um four from 6 it looks looks to me yeah yeah, uh, I think whatever whoever they pick, they'll have a good attack. I think mm. uh, the, the the problem, as you say, is is the batting really. Mm. Whether Broad and Anderson will play, they'll they'll do a sort of rotation like they have done in in recent times and play one and then uh, have a, a Wood as a pace. They they definitely need to sort of a Wood as a quick bowler. I would like to see Robinson and Anderson play together. Uh, because I'm sure that, that that Jimmy could have a huge influence on Robinson, and you know it's almost passing on the baton, isn't it? I think slightly. Um, he's a different, slight, slightly different type of bowler, but using the same sorts of ingredients, uh, giving the batsman nothing basically, and, and trying to make the ball move away mostly. So yeah, I'd like to see Wood, Anderson, and Robinson, and then uh, a, a fourth. Possibly Overton, who who would be a, a, a add add some strength to the batting. So you're leaving out Stuart Broad again from the first test. Yeah, match of the summer. Leave, well, I mean, then I'd play him in the second test. Yeah, I think you've got to. They've got five tests against India to come as well. Hmm. So it's 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 very difficult, isn't it? It's an it's an embarrassment of riches to have both of them. You know, these two test matches don't count for anything much except you know pride, obviously. So. It is a good opportunity to try one or two younger bowlers who haven't played as much. Uh, I, I would, you know, you would, we want to hold Broad and Anderson back in a way for for the India series. Okay, so there's your, there's your four. Um, Leach seems to have gone ahead of Bess as the spinner. So if England were to play a spinner, if they got to Lords in in early June and found out actually, oh, lo and behold, suddenly it's dry and uh, you know we do need to play a spinner, then you, you feel Jack Leach ahead of Don Bess. You'd think anyway. That's that seems to be that you know the feeling that he's moved ahead of him. So those are, that's your bowling options, folks to keep wicket presumably. I mean, there's no, there's no Joss Butler, so does it have to be Ben Folks? I mean, Bracey does keep wicket, so that gives you another option. But you yeah. know, having given Folks a go in the winter, and mm. you know, the feeling mm. is that he's such a good gloveman that you know you he has to play. So Folks is the wicketkeeper mm. batting at seven. You've got that yeah. Bur- Burns, Burns, Bracey, Sibley, 
Crawley, three of those four at the top. And then it seems to me probably the other three, the four, five and six, pick themselves. Uh, Root, Pope and Lawrence, as things stand. Yeah. I mean, do, do you see anything anything changing that or not? Anything no, that's... no, I don't. No, And, and Lawrence can bowl a few off breaks, can't mm. he? I know they're not the yeah. best, but they're, they're useful. Also, Root can bowl. So... They've got they've got some spin options there, sort of part time spin options. Yeah, I, I I like the look of that actually, and it's they've got to use this opportunity. They've got to try and find out a bit about one or two other players, and you know for the sort of bigger challenges ahead. So, uh, a good opportunity. Yeah. By the way, um, we just mentioned that of course all those players that you mentioned are not available uh, because they were at the IPL. Uh, some inside knowledge from you know the IPL kind of fraternity is that it's not likely to be resumed this tournament I think they're just going to cancel it really because it's just too difficult to fit it in and uh, there's too many logistical issues and lack of players and it's it's just it's just proving to be too difficult obviously they can't play it in India um, because of the COVID situation they've got to find somewhere else to go they could go to the UAE but just getting all the players there and all the kind of possible quarantine that may still be required. England players not available. Other players have just come out of series. It's just looking too difficult. So they might just have to ride it off. Yeah, well, that, um, that's a, and that's a massive financial loss for them, isn't it? When you, you think about, um, you know, when they when uh, hindsight's a great thing, but um, there was the option, wasn't it, of, of playing it again in the UAE? And it seems to me you know, there's one that you know, if they. Presumably, if they'd taken that, they, they wouldn't have had the same problems as, as they come up against. Anyway, there we go. They wanted to play in India. It, it didn't work out. Um, just going back to England, uh, Yoz, uh, Hamid, uh, we, ha- we haven't mentioned him, 450 runs at, at, at 56. Of course, he has had a bit of exposure to international cricket. He's had a really poor time of it, but he's done well at the start of this summer. I mean, is, is the feeling there let's see how that progresses. Let's see what you can come up with for a, a season or two or whatever, and then then possibly go again if it, if it works for him at Knotts. Well, yeah, I, I think what I would like to see with him is is him face up to some top fast bowlers. Hmm. And I, I'm not aware of who he's faced particularly so far, but I want him to face some 90-mile-hour bowlers on some hardish pitches because... Ultimately, you know, if you're thinking about him, say, for the Ashes, he's got to be able to play off the back foot uh, against the ball rising up into the ribs and or, you know, sort of above the waist. And uh, that's an area that, to me, hasn't proved. I'm not saying he can't do it, but because he's had issues with things like broken fingers from playing a bit low, uh, I would just be slightly concerned about that. So... I'd like to see him score runs against some really good quick bowlers. I'm not saying that he hasn't, and I'm not saying that he can't, but I'd like to just see a bit more evidence of that. And and obviously, he's he's a very classy talent. Mm. Not many of them around, though. That's the problem, isn't it? In, in county cricket, those sort of 19-mile-an-hour bowlers, you think of Stone, you think of, of Wood. There aren't there aren't stacks of them around though. Anyway, well, I mean, there's Joffrey Archer as well. Who I saw get Zach Crawley out with a a decent ball in that match down at Hove. Mm. Uh, Joffrey Archer elbow injury out of the New Zealand series. Uh, discuss. I saw mm. you you put on uh, social media the other day that you know it's some an injury that you had and it 
it did reduce your speed from was it what was it from mm. six, 60 miles an hour down to, four, <laughs> to 48 miles an hour wasn't it <laughs> um well it's funny because it's it, it's it is slightly relevant story because um when i first came onto the scene um i had a quite alarmingly hyper extendable right elbow um which at times made it look as if i chucked in fact, when I loosened up, sometimes people would say to me, don't loosen up like that or loosen up with your um, buttons, your shirt buttoned down or something because it looks as if you're throwing when you're loosening up because I had such a hyperextension. And that definitely gave me an extra three, two, three mile an hour of pace. Um, so I, I think in, in my, my first couple of years, I might have bowled, you know, 85 plus, but... I then had a quite a bad injury. Um, I was actually tripped playing football, that lovely sport that all cricketers, of course, enjoy playing. Um, fell on my elbow and, and it actually went back in the wrong way too far. Um, so it hyperextended sort of backwards into itself. And I was out of action for two months. And after that, I could never properly straighten my elbow again. Um, I couldn't even straighten it, never mind hyperextend it. And I definitely lost... Uh, just that sort of little bit of edge of speed, which you get from that snap of the elbow. And I've, I've looked at Joffre's action, and he gets that exceptional hyperextension as well, which just gives him that extra bit of whip. And uh, he, un unfortunately, he's got a, a, a some kind of fairly chronic injury inside the elbow. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I reckon it's it's something to do with the ligaments. And they... You know, medical science is so much better now than in the 1980s, and it may be that they find a remedy for it. But it certainly, I I never was cured of it, and it kept kind of nagging away at me. And it does inhibit your speed, undoubtedly. So I just hope they do find some kind of. Um, what you can do now is with with lots of these sort of joint injuries is inject new cartilage into them. And that smooths the passage, the movement of the joint, and can ultimately cure you for a while. Well, un underlying for a while, though, I mean, that, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, I mean Joff was quite young, isn't he, to, to be having what you described there as you know, potentially a, a chronic injury. I suppose, how worried should England supporters be about Joff Archer's fitness for the Ashes? Because I mean that's what England are targeting, and they have. Oh, been I'd say quite worried. Yeah, I'd say quite worried because you know you you have to bowl a lot of overs in in the Ashes, don't you? And you can't have a bowler who can only bowl ten overs in a day. Um, and 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 the wear and tear on that, the, the just the, the 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 pressure you put on that joint, in the same way as you do on your knees and ankles as well, it never goes away. And you know those hard grounds in Australia, jarring. All your bones and you're making your teeth rattle as well. It's it's uh, it's a very very demanding environment to bowl in. If you're not fully fit, you can't really handle it. Yeah, I mean England have been looking at having their, those three fast bowlers av available for the Ashes: uh, Archer, Stone, and Wood. But you know, they've all had their their fitness issues. 
over time. So uh, we'll see what happens when the music stops. You know, whether you do think about musical chairs, is it going to be any chair for a, a fast bowler to sit down upon when it comes to the, the, the first test in, in Brisbane, whenever that is? They haven't actually uh, released the schedule. That is due fairly soon, isn't it? But it, it has been pushed back slightly uh, this time. That's my understanding that the Ashes will start a bit later because of the T20 World Cup that precedes it and allow the teams to prepare for it and the talk of it that going right into into January this time as it has done on, on previous tours way back when but there was, has been a formula over the last few years where they start in Brisbane in, in November but that might not necessarily be the case this time round. Talking about Australia... Uh, Yoza, another story uh, this week, uh, an interview that Cameron Bancroft gave to Donald McRae uh, of The Guardian, where he used the, the term about that ball tampering three years ago in South Africa. He said it's you know, whether you know, other bowlers were knew about it or were involved, and he used the phrase uh, self-explanatory. It was, it was one of those where you'd, sort of, you'd like to be sort of eavesdropping on the interview, really, to sort of know the, quite the context, uh, quite how he said it. Um, how reticent he was. I mean, I think there was a pause he, and he was asked twice, you know, the, the same question. So did the bowlers know? Because, of course, that was one of the things, isn't it? They say, oh, it was, you know, it, it was really up to you know, Smith and Warner and Bancroft. They were the ones really involved and the bowlers, sort of, you know, didn't, didn't really have much to do with it or knew anything about it. And Bancroft perhaps just sort of, he's just lifting the box lid a little bit there and saying, well, you know, uh, I mean, as probably, you know, if you, if you think about it, you, you, you you draw the conclusion that more people than just those three knew about it. I mean, for, for a start, you, you're going to bowl with the ball, aren't you, as a bowler? Mm. Look, no bowlers will be totally ignorant of what is going on. You you can't have a team with a batsman trying to scratch the ball, whatever he was doing, and the bowlers not be aware of it at least because... They would, for a start, you know, they, in a way, you'd, you'd have to expect the bowlers to agree to it, actually. I mean, why would you, as a batsman, do something like that? You know, you, you, you polish the ball to help the bowlers, and the bowlers know which member of the team is the best polisher, and so he has control of the ball, and it's in the interest of the bowler in the end. So the same would apply to any other manipulation of the ball. The bowlers would... I, I, I've n- never heard of a team where somebody is doing something to the ball that the bowlers don't approve of. So it, it does rather open the, the lid, lift the lid on it, doesn't it? Um, you know, there were lots of rumours about what were the Aussie, Aussie bowlers doing to the ball during that Ashes series that, that preceded the, the series in Cape Town and South Africa. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a can of worms, isn't it? Because... Bowlers have always been very good at just subtle use of their fingernail or uh, a little bit of um, roughness, a zip on their trousers or you know a seam on their trousers or something just to kind of help exacerbate the natural wear and tear of a ball. And clearly, if you think about it, I suppose logically, um, bowlers all know that, that the cameras are on them all the time. So they are unlikely to be trying anything on. So I suppose trying to extrapolate from what may have happened, 
give the batsman, give a batsman who is less likely to be focused on by the cameras the job. Whoever decided it is, is difficult to say, but the idea is if you give the batsman the job, which has been approved by the bowlers, he's less likely to be picked up by cameras. Of course, they got that horribly wrong and it was picked up. But yeah. I'd, I would just imagine that the bowlers would have known about it, yes. Mm. So it happened, you know, what, three years ago now. Uh, Warner, Smith and Bancroft have, have served their punishments. Is it, is it one of those things where it's quite an interesting story, but actually, you know, it's been dealt with. They were punished. They were the ones who were caught, actually caught uh, committing the, the crime in inverted yeah. commas. Uh, just move on, um, uh, but probably keep a, a watching eye. Uh, in the future is, is, it, is it simple as that or is it, is it one of those things that needs to be revisited I don't think so uh, I think the, 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 the culprits were caught and punished and um, they you know the punishments were quite severe uh, and uh, they've learned their lesson and in a way ball tampering for want of a better term is as old as the hills and it will carry on bowlers will find a way of doing something to the ball to make it move in the air. And who will deny them that? It keeps the game interesting. Yeah, well, as, as there are those who think that it should actually be some form of, of tampering or whatever, at the, as it's seen at the moment, should be legal, that the bowlers should be given something back. They should be allowed to do that. Anyway, it certainly shouldn't jeopardise. It certainly shouldn't jeopardise Steve Smith's hopes of getting the, the captaincy again. I, I was quite, well, I was very critical of him at the time and saying how sort of poor judgment, how, how his judgment was so poor in, in that uh, scenario and that he should never captain again. I, I've, I've changed my mind on that because I, I've got to know Steve a little bit now and, you know, I, I, I've, I, I see what, what dedication he has to the game and to his team and also the... The, the the total um, uh, embarrassment, humiliation, and um, sort of heartache he suffered after that. Uh, here's a guy who all he's ever wanted to do is bat for Australia uh, and and make as many runs as possible in the interest of the team. You know he was quite young as captain. He was a bit naive. He's in that sort of cricketing bubble where at times you you're a bit detached from reality. Uh, so, so you know, all those things can be used as a, as a sort of mitigating arguments for a guy who made a horrible mistake, suffered a terrible punishment, but is actually a, a really decent bloke. Uh, and I'd love to see him be captain of Australia again. So done the crime, done the time, move on. Be, be a little bit, let's have a bit of forgiveness, really. So, so talking of Australia uh, and uh, people who starred out there, we had uh, Alan Lamb, in our virtual cricket club last week. You couldn't make it, actually, could you? Because you were busy. But he was hilarious, Lammy, as you'd expect, with lots of sort of mad anecdotes about life on tour and so on. And um, he he spoke because he was... We played, actually, the brilliant over in which he stole victory uh, against Australia in Sydney, 18 to win off the last over, Bruce Reed bowling, and he managed to get the runs off five balls. And he actually told the lovely story about how there was one ball in the middle of that over where he, he kind of rather clothed it to deep extra cover and Dirk Wellham fielded the ball and threw it back and they could only run one, which would have put um, Philip de Freitas on strike. But Lamb quite craftily 
uh, feigned as if he was going to go back for the second and then realised he couldn't and sort of stayed at the non-striker's end and sort of put his bat back into the crease as the throw was arriving at the bowler's end. And it, it sort of ac- almost accidentally on purpose, he got slightly in the way of the bowler see- receiving the throw and, the, and the, <laughs> the, the bowler missed the ball and they got an overthrow. So it was possibly contrary to the spirit of the game, although I don't think he was entirely deliberate. And they got the overthrow, and then he, he managed to hit, hit the winning runs. But Lamy is a, a, a brilliant character, of course. And here's a, just a little extract from his uh, visit to the Virtual Cricket Club, talking about life on tour with Beefy. I think probably the best night out is probably uh, the America's Cup with Beefy, Embry, Lamb and Gower ended up going to the um, White Horse uh, Clubhouse the night before um, the uh, Western Australia game against England in Perth. And we had a rather big bender in there. And Beefy was arm wrestling one of the guys and fell over and broke this big coffee table and wasn't injured at all, but was struggling to walk. And, um, and the following day, uh, we had to bat, and uh, Gower got naught, Lamb got naught, and Beefy went into bat, and he was halfway out there, and uh, he didn't have a bat, so the 12th man had to <laughs> run out and give him the bat, and so I think this might help you, Beefy. One of the things you remember most about Lamb is, is batting against the West Indies, wasn't it? At the time when they were the preeminent bowling force in the world, he stood up to them and, and scored hundreds against them. It, it was six hundreds actually. Six thrilling hundreds stuff, he scored against yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. It was thrilling was it? stuff. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And in fact we did also play a clip during the evening of his uh, innings at Lords against that West Indies team. And the, the bowling attack was Patrick Patterson, Courtney Walsh, Kirtley Ambrose and Malcolm Marshall. <laughs> and they were all tearing to the wicket. I don't think I've ever seen Courtney Walsh run so fast. Patrick Patterson is like the Incredible Hulk. Malcolm Marshall herring in off that curved run and bowling those fizzing bouncers and then coming round the wicket. When he goes round the wicket to a right-hander, you can't see him because he's he's quite small and he runs up right behind the umpire and then pops out at the last moment to hurl it down from round the wicket. I mean, to be able to, to make hundreds against those bowlers was an immense achievement i mean he he puts it down to an ability to pull and cut and 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 a sort of fearlessness as well he said he never feared failure uh he he, he found any selection for england uh, as a bit of a bonus he'd never sort of thought about that clearly growing up in south africa and then coming to england to play for north Ants, he'd never really thought about playing test cricket so every test match he played was was a was a, an extra sort of Philip in his cap, feather in his cap, really. And he loved facing those fast bowlers. And they actually, I think, massively respected him. Slightly different character in the Virtual Cricket Club uh, this week. You've got, the, you've got the boss man this week. Yes, uh, who did play a bit of cricket himself. In fact, Alan Lamb told him, and we're talking Tom Harrison here, Chief Executive of the ECB. Tom Harrison played a bit for Derbyshire and Northants. And uh, Lammy apparently told him when he saw him bat uh, not to bother sticking around and, and find another career, which he did. Uh, he said it in a nice way, um, uh, which, of course, he has. And, and Tom has made a, a tremendous success of, uh, of his life as the chief executive of the ECB. Not everybody's uh, a supporter of some of the things he's done, but he's done it mostly for the good or entirely for the good of the game. 
Uh, and so we've got him on the Virtual Cricket Club uh, on Wednesday night, uh, which an- allows anybody to ask a question of Tom Harrison, get the lowdown on the state of the ECB's finances, uh, their aspirations for the future, obviously the uh, all the uh, criteria behind the 100. Uh, you can ask him anything you like if you join our club, worldsbestcricketclub.com, £6 a month to join. And we have a very special guest next week, after the this Wednesday, Wednesday week, we have, and who is it, Simon? I think you're talking about Sunil Gavaskar. We are. We're talking Sunil Gavaskar, who has written a very funny letter to the cricketer uh, in counter to Vic Mark's story about uh, something he wrote in the cricketer last month. Uh, they played together for Somerset uh, a few times, and uh, Sonny said he wanted to write a letter in response to Vic's article, and I said, well... While you're doing so, can you join our virtual cricket club? And he said, oh, I'd love to. So he's uh, in the club from Mumbai on Wednesday, the 26th of May. But this Wednesday, it's Tom Harrison. And as I say, you can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust. So hope to see you there. And we'll speak to you again after that. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.